Hi, this is Harita Benjamin and you're listening to Newsbreak on Manorama's clutter-free explainer on the news of the week. And this episode is about protests. From bulldozers to black masks, protests are raging across India today. Before we dive into the history and the rights and wrongs of protests, let me outline three scenarios for you. Scenario 1. In Uttar Pradesh, the state government raised down houses of specific individuals connected to protests against former BJP spokesperson Nupur Sharma's remarks on Prophet Muhammad. JNU student leader Afreen Fatima's house were among those raised by the UP government. There was nothing that the police came with. They just came and uh, asked my father to come to the police station with them. Around 2.30 a.m., the police again uh, gathered at our house and uh, tried to detain myself and my sister-in-law when we resisted and said that we will not be going with them and they tried to uh, intimidate us, threaten us. Scenario 2. In Kerala, over-vigilant police arrested two transgender activists for wearing black near a venue which was to be graced by Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan. Scenario 3. Delhi police enforced Section 144 of CRPC around the AICC headquarters, anticipating a Congress protest against the ED's decision to question former Congress President Rahul Gandhi. So, ladies and gentlemen, 75 years after independence, here we are, the sovereign democratic republic without even the right to protest. Before we proceed, I'd like to clarify that I'm not endorsing violence while speaking about the right to protest. The show merely attempts to look at why the government at the centre and state are keeping our hands tied. Why is it wrong to question an elected government? Now, the very essence of democracy is the right to have an alternative opinion. The right to peacefully protest, subject to restrictions, is an essential part of the fundamental right to free speech and the right to assemble. Article 19.1b of the Constitution, which provides the right to assemble peacefully, underlining the word peacefully here, allows people to question and object to acts of the government through demonstrations, agitations and public meetings. The right is naturally subject to restrictions in the interests of the sovereignty and integrity of India, the security of the state, friendly relations with foreign states, etc. Given that the democracy we cherish today is the direct effect of the sustained protest by our freedom fighters, it is pertinent that we allow our future generations this right, at least for the sustenance of the very same democracy. Now let's look at our three scenarios once again. While the violent protests in UP following the Prophet Muhammad remark cannot be justified by the much-quoted Article 19b, what is equally or more unjustifiable is the use of bulldozers to penalize the accused in this case. As mentioned in Newsbreak's episode number 19, is the Jahangirpuri demolition legally tenable? Illegal encroachments or demolition drives are nothing out of the ordinary in a densely populated country like India. 
But what is out of ordinary is the deployment of bulldozer politics as a means of alternative justice. Now, the UP police have claimed that the student activist, Afreen's father, was among the accused in the Prayagraj violence. But even if he was, how does it justify the demolition of their home, which housed an entire family? In an interview with Al Jazeera, Afreen stated that the state government has been accepting taxes from them for the past 20 years, which leaves us to wonder how a property can be illegal if it is taxed by the very same government. Now let's look at scenario two again. Is wearing black chudidar an issue? Wearing an attire of my choice is my right. How can you ask me not to wear black because the chief minister is visiting? These questions raised by a trans woman activist after being taken into custody by the police are vital. How can the state ban its law-abiding citizens from wearing black or any other colour for that matter? The state and the centre have always disliked black and black flags in particular. Less than four months ago, the police had asked people attending the public rallies of Prime Minister Narendra Modi in Pune, Maharashtra to remove black masks, black handkerchiefs and even black sunglasses. In 2018, a university student was thrown into jail for a month for waving the black flag at UPCM Yogi Adityanath. In another instance, two students were charged with rioting and disturbing peace for flashing a black flag at Union Home Minister Amit Shah. Kerala Chief Minister Pinarayi Vijayan is no different. Everything black, from the attire to the mask to umbrellas, seems to be agitating the CM. However, the Chief Minister's office has repeatedly denied that no explicit instructions to this effect have been issued. The state has witnessed mass protests led by the Congress and BJP following the revelations by gold smuggling accused Swapna Suresh. While we do not wish to look at the authenticity of Swapna's remarks, what we are concerned about is the reaction it provoked from the ruling front. In fact, when the former CM, Uman Chandi, was drawn into the solar scam a few years ago, the administration was not even close to being edgy or jittery about crowds or protests. Perhaps it's the historical association of black flags with anarchy and the black bloc movements that instills fear in the communist heart. Black blocs are anarchists who swarm a venue and stage anti-fascist and anti-Nazi protests, fully covered in black. Let's look at scenario three now. After the Enforcement Directorate summoned Congress leader Rahul Gandhi, the Delhi police imposed a Section 144 near and around AICC headquarters and Gandhi's residence. Again, let's keep aside the fact of whether or not Rahul Gandhi or Sonia Gandhi is indeed guilty of the case in concern. The critical matter here is why the opposition party members are not allowed to protest against BJP's alleged vendetta politics against their leader. 
while disrupting the public life now and then for the sake of political benefits is not to be encouraged it cannot be denied that the right to protest is essential to ensure the survival of democracy the anti caa protests and the farmer protests bear testimony to this fact the sooner governments realize this the better that brings us to the end of today's episode thank you for listening be sure to come back next week for more Yeah! <laughs>